Hey, everybody. Welcome to Pale in Comparison, a proud member of the Doof Network. In this podcast, my sister uses her knowledge of the otherverse to take a look at Pact, Wildbow's least chill work, and I try to not give away any spoilers. I'm Jenny, and Malia convinced me to read Worm. I'm Malia, and Jenny convinced me to read everything else. This episode, we are covering Judgment, chapters 16.8 and 16.9. Before we get into that, however, I'd like to issue a spoiler warning. This podcast is filled with pale spoilers. If you don't know whether what happens in the Crucible happens in real life and don't want us to tell you, stop now, read Pale, and come back to this podcast. As for Pact, there will be full spoilers to the chapters we are covering. All right, we got our fan art contest going on right now. And it ends September 8th. Which is coming up. Which is coming up pretty soon. Um, We, if anyone wants to submit anything over that weekend um we most likely will accept it (laughs) so uh unofficially you have until the 11th (laughs) (laughs) um so like that's the absolute last day make sure you get everything in by september 11th okay but um you will have the weekend to submit that and we will accept it yes we want to see all your cool stuff we do all the cool, like, you know, all the spoken of, like, spoken word poetry mm-hmm. and your interpretive dances. Mm-hmm. If any of you and, have trained any of your pets to paint, <laughs> that that yes. probably counts. <laughs> That'd be pretty cool. Yeah, <laughs> that would definitely count. Um, if any of you want to show off any like roller skating skills while mm. dri- giant firebird, mm-hmm. I mean that counts. You know? Yeah, totally. Sky's the limit, guys. <laughs> <laughs> and yeah, see doofmedia.com for more details about that. That's right. <laughs> All right. Chapter summary, guys. Blake's back, bitches. <laughs> so he takes over Rose's body and it sprouts branches, which I was going to say is pretty sweet. <laughs> Elliot might think it's really sweet because he's like fucking weird. He likes stuff like that. I just called him out, which in, in my chapter summary, maybe that's too soon, but I feel like it's true. I don't take it back. <laughs> the tunnel um, doesn't lead where they wanted to go, but they managed to open a way out. They fight through a whole bunch of wretches on their way to the tower. Paige channels karma to punish anyone who causes pain, which at first seems like fuck yeah. But unfortunately, it's anyone who causes pain (laughs) to anyone, which is a bummer. Blades erupt from the ground and almost cut everyone in half twice. Peter and Blake bust down part of the doors and the group makes it inside. An injured Ainsley and Lola stay with the children with instructions to knock the tower down if everyone else doesn't come back, which good fucking luck. (laughs) I'm knocking that tower down, but <laughs> Rose, uh, Blake, Peter, Paige, Mags, and Green Eyes ascend the tower to find Vaisal, Barbie Hannes, and last but not least, <laughs> the fucking dragon. <laughs> because this hasn't been enough of a challenge. <sighs> what did you think of these chapters, Malia? Um, they were really good. It was fun seeing Blake again. Um, it wasn't quite what I expected, but it's very hype. Um, I can't believe I forgot about the dragon. Like we saw the fucking giant, and I wasn't like, "Where's the dragon?" I just was like, "The dragon can't come back because that was too hard." Yeah, 
I don't know if it being almost cut in half makes it better or worse. <laughs> I feel like worse. Well, I wonder if there's a reason why, like, if something's too cool, like, too too awesome, then Barbatorum can't just cut it in half. Because, like, the genie was dead, the giant was dead, and, like, this dragon doesn't seem to have a double, even though it was cut really badly. Yeah. So, I guess that's a weird prediction on the fly, that that's a thing. Um, okay, that's cool. But it was fun. I'm excited. All right, so we'll start with it's Blake's turn. He takes over Rose's body and a bunch of branches come out and her body is just like kind of torn up, which sucks. Yeah, I didn't think that would happen. Um, I think I thought that it would look like Blake because we got like the tattoos kind of. And I guess Mm -hmm. they were more than like they were bumpier. And so that was a sign that they would emerge. Um. But I thought that Blake was no longer Abyssal Blake based on some of the stuff that had happened in Arc 15 and the way things were described. And so I thought that it would just, like, we'd kind of be back to, like, square one-ish. Back to, like, basic bitch Blake. (laughs) Yes. (laughs) Um, You know, Blake with, like, fighting skills, um, not tree man um and this is more devastating so it makes more sense and i mean he is effective um but it does lead you to question what is going to happen (laughs) to blake and rose if they live um like blake or rose or whatever um because her body's really fucked um but yeah um i thought it was interesting at the beginning of this that like blake's thinking about like, I think if, like, Rose is defined by fear and Blake is defined by anger, um, and he's thinking about the the barber and how it can, like, cut things out of people and how maybe Ambrose was less functional than I thought mm-hmm. um, because, like, he had all of the anxieties of Rose and presumably all of the anger of Blake, um, not necessarily these versions of those people because their life is more fucked up now. Yeah. Um, but like, he's like, Oh, I mean, cause Blake early on in the story didn't seem super comfortable. Like he had his like group, but he didn't seem super comfortable with other spaces necessarily. Um, and it, it makes sense that Ambrose would be, I don't know if agoraphobic is the word. Cause presumably he's okay with going outside, but mm-hmm. just, yeah. Um, and it just makes me more curious. And it's interesting to think that the the sum of it his parts could be greater than the whole. Um, hmm. Interesting. But I mean, like, it does make sense that cutting out flaws or weaknesses or whatever, like, those things are gone now. And that can make you more effective. Um, yeah. But I mean, the rest of the Thorburns are, like, fairly kick-ass. And I don't know. Um be really interesting to see what rose or and blake would look like if like a different person had used the barber oh like if grandma rose hadn't been like guiding it or whatever presumably yeah like the barber just got to be like fuck you and cut him in half well well that that'd be scary but even if like someone 
I mean, I don't, obviously this wouldn't happen because like a non-diabolist would not use a demon to cut someone in half. But if it was like a non-diabolist or someone who was, I don't know, just like a nicer person, <laughs> you know, it's like what uh-huh. things would they, like what would they have valued to keep and get rid of, you know? Sure. Because I, I do think that there's a strong likelihood that... um Blake's relationship with Alexis was basically cut out. Yeah. Or Blake Ambrose's relationship with Alexis. Like, I think a lot of that is missing. And that didn't have to be that way, necessarily, probably. Okay, here's some here's a fun thought experiment. If Charles had the barber God. <laughs> I guess I'm thinking like in terms of like Ambrose and he made a Blake and Rose, would they be preferable or worse? than grandma roses they'd be worse <laughs> <laughs> Jay, don't you know so? karma would dictate that they would be worse because charles's whole life was fucked over uh, i mean yeah that's true but i mean would it be that much worse because like grandma rose's karma isn't exactly doing fucking great yeah but she wasn't forsworn yeah but like it's still um, not great you know yeah but charles went from I'm going to make a thing to kill my ex-friends to the Hungry Choir. <laughs> okay, but I, I'm thinking, like, about his choices, right? Like, if he could design somebody how he would want to, how would it be different? Hmm. I don't know. He'd love all that shit Blake had to go through. Yeah. Actually, I was thinking he'd probably, like, be leaning more towards, like, a Blake-ish, except with less, like, compassion and shit, you know? Yeah. Blake built to last. Yeah, Blake built to last, for sure. Yeah. And then another thought, obviously this would never happen in a million years, but if the trio had to use the barber to cut Ambrose to cut in half. Ambrose in half? <laughs> yeah. Well, they just wouldn't. Look, this is why this is a thought experiment, Malia. I'm like, how would Rose and Blake be different? What would they have cut out? What would they have kept? They would have kept the relationship with Alexis, right? I would think so. Yeah, I mean, I guess, like, I can't imagine a scenario where they would... It's not about the scenario, Malia. You're no, thinking like, too like, hard about it, it. Like, what goal would they have? Again, you're thinking too hard about it. No, but, like, Charles would be, like... I'm almost thinking Charles would be, like, oh, I will turn you into the person who will carry forth my vision in this world. Mm-hmm. Right? Like, Grandma Rose was trying to turn Ambrose into the people who would best allow her scheme to succeed. Mm-hmm. And, like, so I... I don't know what the trio would be trying to do. Be something to help, uh, to try to help, like, get it. <laughs> I just know. I just know. Yeah, you're focusing on the parts I don't want you to focus on, Malaya. That's, that's not the important part. The important part is, like, how would they be different? <laughs> um, Blake wouldn't be self-sacrificial. Mm-hmm. And Rose might give a single fuck about mm. people. <laughs> there you go. All right. (laughs) That's all I wanted from you, Malia. That's too much time talking about things that make sense. Anyway, all right. Um, But yeah, um, so it's also funny thinking about how Lola is like, hey, so do you have a plan? And Rose is like, yeah. And then says nothing and suddenly is like sprouting branches. And like, she could have said something. Like, everyone takes this really well. 
I guess like almost everyone here has met Blake before. The vestiges don't give a fuck. The goblins don't give a fuck. Paige puts things together because she's a smart cookie. But, but she's like, break the fuck out. Yeah. Because <laughs> I think there's a difference between hearing about like Blake or Rose's other half and seeing like branches spread over um yeah peter mentions like oh like you like you you talk more than rose like you explain things and (laughs) that's really funny um i don't know if rose thinks less of other people and their capabilities in general but it definitely comes across like she does Hmm. um and so it's nice that blake is talking yeah um but the yeah, everyone's reaction to this is interesting. I mean, Evan is so excited to see Blake, but then also like immediately asks if Rose is okay, which like is really sweet. Like Evan really does care about Rose. Um, and he's just a really good egg. Um, and then Ainsley is like concerned for her f- maybe future sister-in-law. And this is one of those things where it's like, is this while Bo forgetting that Alistair and Ainsley were cousins? Is this him like being like i don't care it makes more sense if they're brother and sister or is this evidence that the universe has somehow fundamentally shifted because like we got that joke from peter um where he was ripping alistair about becoming in-laws and he said like cousin-in-law and i commented on how like that doesn't clarify anything but it does Mm. if alistair and ainsley are siblings um that's true and so i i like the interpretation that something in the universe is fundamentally shifted (laughs) but also (laughs) that's scary um and yeah um it's just an interesting mark um yeah that is uh, spooky stuff Mm -hmm. who knows um and it's it's nice that they're all worried about rose um Mm -hmm. thinking back it's hard to remember how many of them if any of them were worried about blake um how many Evan, remembered Blake? Well, when when Rose absorbed him or whatever, like mm. Evan was worried, Green Eyes was worried. Um, Peter was somewhat concerned, like he wasn't there when it happened. Yeah, um, I think a lot of them understood like this has to happen, but also mm-hmm. she didn't like spread a bunch of branches. <laughs> like it like makes more sense to be worried about the person who like spotty's being torn apart in front of you. Yeah, I mean, and also, like, well, yeah, like, Rose, to them, has always had a body, right? <laughs> and always mm-hmm. been, like, out of the mirror, as far as they're, as far as, as far as they can remember, mm-hmm. for most of them. Um, and so, Blake, they've only seen for a shorter amount of time, so for him to kind of disappear, it's probably less jarring. Yeah. Than to see Rose, like, yeah. Um... Another thing that made me question if the universe was falling apart was that Paige mentions, or Blake thinks about Uncle Charles, and I can't remember what Blake's uncle's names were. Yeah. I don't think it was Charles, and I didn't check. And I really could have. And I want to check right now. (laughs) Um, But, you know, I think Charles would have been a significant name when we started reading this, and it's a very significant name now. And I just keep thinking of the name Peter, and like it's not Peter. So let's see. There's Aunt Steph, Uncle Paul. Oh my gosh, Malia, is this a pack or is this a pale prediction? Like <laughs> no. Uncle Charles? What is that? It's why he has such bad karma? No, it's almost like <laughs> like like this is Ted Havens or something. Like Blake and Rose are Ted Havens. Like they've gone through 
too many iterations of this and they fucked up like enough times and like each time things are slightly different right where like like people are related in different ways or have names in different ways because like so uncle paul is i think peter and Paige's dad we don't know molly's dad's name yeah um so i guess he could have been uncle charles but why wouldn't you say anti-reed it just it's fine um, and I don't want this to be like a, oh, I found problems. Like, I, it's more like a, I did notice this and I want to know if there's a, like, it, a thematic reason. It's fun thinking, yeah, that like something is wrong with the universe. Um, and that's more fun. I mean, it's totally understandable if it's just like mistakes or changes or whatever, but um, I don't know. Well, Malia, luckily for you, there's a lot of shit wrong with this universe. The biggest one is that people's names are changing. (laughs) Yeah, that's what really stands out. Yeah. It's like his name is not Charles. Anyway, it's fine. Okay. Um yeah, he Blake and Page meeting is interesting. Um, kind of upsetting in how like numb Blake is, and he's like, Oh yeah, I used to like care about you. Um, which is really sad, but it's a reminder that he gave that to rose um yeah and you know he immediately starts like goes and hangs out with the others whereas rose was like purposefully not um it's it's fun tracking those differences um and i guess i mean i don't know what's gonna happen we have like five chapters left which doesn't make sense but yeah um one thing that was really funny peter and continues to be wonderful um, and every time he interacts with Paige or Ainsley is gold. But um, when Paige is talking to Blake and Blake says, aren't you glad Grandma Rose put you last for succession? Mm-hmm. <laughs> and Peter says, nicest thing she's ever done for you. Paige says, I remember what you said. Nicest thing I've ever done for you. <laughs> <laughs> it's so good. Yep. Oh, true. man. It's and I love it. So true. And uh. I... It's fun how we don't get exactly what it was. Um, but yeah, I don't know. It's great. And Lila's like, hi, can we fucking go? <laughs> and I respect her. Um, but yeah, they're they're sort of talking through their game plan. And Blake is, you know, telling the children to stay away from Johannes because the pipes can probably get them. And Evan is upset about that. And he's like, okay, goblins, like like fucking go off like let loose like have fun like do literally whatever and one of the goblins is like in the spirit of that can we have the bra that is currently being disconnected from your body (laughs) and i really appreciate that blake is like fuck no but also it's interesting that i mean rose is super pragmatic and practical and so she's like if this will help like whatever um yeah and it's interesting that even after rose is like no just give it to him blake's like no um evidence of their failure to mesh um and it's fun that he does eventually give the goblin the bra and the goblin puts it on his head and runs around with it (laughs) because it's great that is kind of amazing um but yeah the the complete sum up of the plan as of yet is to remember that we can do this um which it's just like the way that he kept (laughs) phrasing it is like you know i get why you know they were getting kind of annoyed because it just seemed like we can do this, guys. <laughs> we can fucking do this. Don't worry. 
And they're like, just tell me the, tell me the plan. Tell me the freaking plan. Yeah. And I think it's interesting. This is kind of what it's coming down to. Um, because I wouldn't think that this was what would really help. Um, I mean, demons love like psychological warfare, but the idea that your faith in yourself can help you overcome a demon, like he he says, like demons are essentially fairy. Everything is fairy, and I'm like, is <laughs> I guess in the other verse, the spirits are everything. Um, and so if the spirits believe in you, like you can do it, and you believing in yourself helps. Um, I wasn't sure. He also connected this to the fact that like humans are catalysts for change and that fucks up demons and they're they hate that. Um, but I don't quite get how it all comes together. But it's fine, because it's exciting. Alright. Next part. The tunnel doesn't lead where they wanted it to go, but they manage to open a way out. They fight through a whole bunch of wretches on their way to the tower. Um, this was a really fun combat fight scene um it's gross um so and it's fun how i mean you really just see um barbatorum's influence and how at one point blake compares it to the abyss and is like the abyss has like a plan and a motive like the abyss is here to like tear you down and change you into something else but like this doesn't have a purpose like this is just like like nihilistic like just destroying and there's nothing um and that i liked that um that drawing that out you know like the wretches aren't a swarm of zombies like specifically attacking this group they're just like attacking everything like they're just fighting anything that gets close um because if they were all being swarmed by these zombies they would immediately die i mean not zombies but you know um so that's nice um but yeah Ainsley does really Ainsley is so fucking cool. She does really good with her candle in these oh, yeah. parts. Um she like draws a circle on the wall like fucking chalk zone and they up through <laughs> I miss that TV show. Um and you know later she'll snap it in half to save them all and it's just like she's so fucking cool. It's a cool implement. It's so fucking cool. I want it. <laughs> um yeah the fragility of it is a little scary in terms of you know candles being able to break but maybe if it's a pretty thick candle it wouldn't be that scary yeah, you can reforge it i guess right so yeah um but yeah as this fight's happening um green eyes is doing her thing the goblins are having fun um evan's flying around and blake is having a hard time um he's not used to this body it's a weird mix of his previous selves and yeah he's just he's struggling um and so the demon and the hellhound uh who were chasing them catch up and are gonna eat evan um and blake freaks out and we get to see a moment where just like rose like pulled on conquest which hurt blake and like did other things that hurt blake like blake makes the decision like okay i have to save evan and uh pulls more um which makes the body more blakey you know more branches more holes more spaces and allows him to fight better and get to evan um it's fun that rose happened to still have this machete it's fun that um he breaks the bond between the demon lawyer and the dog and it 
attacks the lawyer and it's fun that he manages to break off the machete in the lawyer's body and turn it into the hyena that was wild but sure why not Some shenanigans thanks abyss that i'm apparently still tied to yeah it's great <laughs> um i wonder if that has something to do with rose's commitment to be a scourge or something or if it just i don't know um but yeah so now blake's back and he has the hyena and evan's flying around and you know we are fucked but uh blake is pretty okay he's not regenerating um which is a concern but i don't know he seems seems to be doing okay um and yeah all right let's see so page channels karma to punish anyone who causes pain blades erupt from the ground and almost cut everyone in half multiple times or twice (laughs) peter and blake bust down part of the doors and the group makes it inside um so presumably blake and green eyes and the goblins and evan like the others are doing the best in this scenario um and the mortals mortals (laughs) uh humans i guess aren't um and so Paige like does a cool area of effect spell that uh it's like immediate karmic backlash i guess um the moment you harm someone the karmic light hurts you um rose manages to warn blake about this by projecting some very traumatic memories from his past um into his brain i thought it was interesting that they're blake's memories um i don't know if it's economy of storytelling like we know and understand what those memories mean um because we explored them with blake um i don't know if it's you know like instead of going into a whole like rose experience this thing this one time um i don't know if it's like to try to help us you know like blake is the protagonist and so focusing on his shit is like maybe better yeah reader wise um but it is interesting that like blake pushed all of his memories forward um I guess he did push memories of books that Rose had read, but generally when he was offering things up, it was, um, like, it was his. And it's yeah. interesting that Rose offers his. Um, not necessarily like these are gone forever now or whatever, but just in terms of like, I don't know, it like Rose knows about Carl now. Um, yeah. And that feels. Yeah. Feels. Yeah. Not great. Like, right. Because like, that wasn't a thing Blake chose to share with her. Um, and it it gets the point across. Um, it saves Blake from a ton of karmic backlash and stuff in this moment. But he, I don't know, it just, it feels like a violation, but an understandable one, but still upsetting. And I don't know. Um, it's, it, it's interesting that like that never happened to Rose. Um, yeah. But they were the same person. And so it's, it's, I don't know, it, it's weird. Well, it just made more sense for um, him to have that memory, I guess. Right? Yeah. Um, Yeah. Um, But they are working as a fairly decent team. You know, Rose is able to focus on things beyond the immediate person that Blake is attacking, um, which is cool. Um, But yeah, so he makes his way toward the light, um, as Paige helpfully says. Um, And he makes it over there and uh ainsley is really not doing well lola is hurt um Paige is doing the light spell mags is fighting um and peter is like trying to knock the doors down 
Um, and Evan is flying around. And so Green Eyes is missing. Um, and we had been reminded last chapter that she hurts people just by touching them. So she's getting like fucked. Yeah. Um, Mags points out where she is and Blake runs over and saves her and runs back. Um, and at this moment, the blades that have been popping up pop up like right next to all of them. Um, and Ainsley saves them all by breaking her candle in half, um, which slows their per- speeds up their perception of time to the point where they can dodge the blades. Um, and so the one goblin gets cut in half, but everyone else um, makes it. Um, Green Eyes warns Blake of one of the blades coming for him because, you know, he got two because there's Blake and Rose. Um, Peter saves Ainsley, but her hip and elbow get cut, which, ow. It's just upsetting being like, oh, that's never going to heal. Like, I just don't know. <laughs> I don't say so better. I don't know. Something better happen. Um, And then Wild Bo writes the phrase in the thicket of demon blades, which is just such a cool, <laughs> such a cool phrase. Um, um, They realized these weren't all just like individual blades. They were scissors. And they proceed to all snap back together. Um, Blake saves Peter uh, and his and Rose's hands are cut, um, which is upsetting. But luckily, there's not a double of them (laughs) again. Um, And yeah, Peter and Blake break the door down and they hurt or they they run in. It made me think like there's a lot of hurt hands in this story, although I really only thought of three of them. (laughs) Yeah. Now Rose, Blake, and Alistair all have fucked up hands and are missing hands. And it's like very Star Wars. Like Star Wars, they're just like slicing people's hands off left and right. Left and right. And, you know, Blake and Rose seem to still have a hand. It's just fucked. But yeah. Um, Peter fucking is great because he, you know, faints. Like he tricks the blade um i guess we're lucky that another one doesn't just come like try to slice him again or whatever but he if he had just like immediately crawled through like he would have gotten murdered um, and worse so it's nice that that didn't happen and and then they all managed to get inside except the goblins because fuck them i guess (laughs) yeah pretty much all right, so injured Ainsley and Lola stay with the kids with instructions to knock the tower down if everyone else doesn't return. Yeah, um, Lola and Ainsley are really not doing well. Um, Ainsley's, like, ribs are fucked, and again, her hip and all these other things. She had had, like, the tunnel collapse on her. Um, she's not doing well. Lola has some sort of head damage and can't think very clearly in a way that was a bit concerning like i was like is this just head damage or is this like a sign that she's been compromised but whatever (laughs) moving on um they you know talk about try to verify that everyone is still in one whole piece um and then talk about the state of rose's body and how it has a bunch of branches sticking out and fingers cut off and various things and blake's like i don't know rose could have said she didn't like it but she was she was she's fine with this <laughs> yeah kind of uh and yeah um lola tells rose that 
she was right to bring Peter. And it's a mirror of the moment when Isadora spoke to Blake. Um, Blake gets up kind of upset because he's like, I'm Blake. Like, I'm not Rose. And Lola's like, yeah, but I'm assuming Rose can hear me. Um, yeah. And I, I think it's an interesting, yeah, parallel. Um, but also everyone there knows that Rose is in there. And Blake already had this happen to him. So I thought it was kind of funny that he was like, meh. Although I guess it is good to remind the reader that one of them isn't actually present. Although them not communicating, really. Like, when Rose was in the mirror, I had a hard time picturing her in the mirror and not present in the scene. But I haven't had that problem. Um, And maybe it's because, you know, she's not saying things. They're not really, they're not talking to each other. Um, their communication is all like vibes. Um, but yeah, um, they talk through a bunch of stuff about how the tower is empty and um, the Barbatorum attacked Peter last and various things and kind of come to the conclusion that Johannes must still be alive in there. But the Barbatorum wants it that way because if Johannes dies, like the domain ends like the domain is johannes's it's not barbatorum's so if if barbatorum has complete control johannes is destroyed then he can't do whatever big diagram scheme he wants to do um so that that's hopeful (laughs) yeah as peter said um they you know ainsley and lola can't keep going the vestiges won't help and uh, we are worried about Evan being controlled by the demon. Um, Evan doesn't want to accept this, um, but luckily, at least for now, uh, deals with it. Um, and they're like, yeah, if we don't make it, knock the tower down, because that'll at least fuck up something. <laughs> like, the demon seems to want the tower to be up, so don't do that. Um, Evan does salute Blake, which is nice. Um, so, yeah. All right, so Blake, Rose, Peter, Page, Mags, and Green Eyes ascend the tower to find Faisal, Barbie Hannas, and the dragon. Um, yeah, so they they kind of go over it again, and they start using the metaphor of, like, we're playing King of the Hill. Like, we need to uh, push Barbatorum off of his hill uh, by killing Johannes, basically. Like, um, the domain won't be... A thing that he can have if um johannes is destroyed um and we think about how that won't actually win that just helps yeah um page is not completely out of firepower but isn't like has used a lot uh mags has a couple more goblins and they're they're fine um peter has two fists and chutzpah and blake has rose <laughs> um and also you know, the hyena and green eyes is there and it's, yeah. Um, and Blake thinks about how he might need to cede control to Rose and that that might be the last thing he ever does. Um, it's heavy. Yeah. Um, yeah. Um, but they get up there and we see those weird sphere things that face has like opened portals to demon realms or something in the sky. And, um, he's all gatekeepery, but, they mention the white fur as a reminder that he's still a dog. <laughs> and, um, and then the dragon, who's like almost cut in half in a fun Hydra-esque way. Um, and Barbie Torum on his throne, 
holding a pair of shears like you really care or really cool and it's a really fun visual and very dramatic and extra um because presumably they could just fight but no we need a cool like group power Mm -hmm. pose (laughs) 100 um and we're all hype and wondering how this will resolve in four chapters in an epilogue um yay (laughs) all right we're at our pale in comparison section is there anything you want to compare um oh i did have a thought about something that i remember um i mean i wanted i should have gone back and read the chapter with fluorescence and what's his name and the possession by the trans Uh, spirits Uh because like i really didn't expect these physical changes to happen to rose's body um but i don't know how much of that is like blake was not just a spirit and like whatever but sure um that's fair yeah that that was a big yeah thing well we'll just go to our bold and specific prediction section yeah um i mean this is upsetting but i think evan is gonna decide to come help and get i'm kind of like and and then get taken over by the pipes but i don't know how he'll get out of that but yeah i'll say that okay all right our previous discussion question was pick two characters from the other verse and describe what they would be like and what their name would be if they fused um like a lot trunks and goten and dragon ball z yeah so sweet manzana starts off um says nina plush diary girl a library girl she can access information using her own book body like she's her own library with some abyss in her so she'd have access to information like the one in those evil books in the abyss library that taunted blake and the others also i just think it's funny to fuse one of the nicest characters with one of the boogeyman that was so bad people thought it was a demon um you also could fuse Snowdrop and evan to create the ultimate am- animal child sidekick that's um, pretty cool i think that's really fun <laughs> Yeah. <laughs> Library girl. Um Ripper 1337 um decided that Dick Swizzle and Podrick would be a fun combination. Um I'm not sure how to pronounce <laughs> the the name for it. Uh Dickick, D I C K I A C. Um a cunning and crass gobfay that blends glamour and brute strength. Um misdirecting foes before punching them in the face. Um <sighs> He puts up a charming facade, and yet the longer you're around him, the more disturbed you become. Um, but it's hard to walk away. There's always some reason to keep him around. <laughs> um, those are two wild people to fuse together, and it is. it's great. They would, they would hate that. Oh, yeah. So much. All right, Macy One, whoever the hell this is, uh, basically says um they haven't seen dragon ball z's fusions but they're thinking about steven universe ones which are hopefully similar enough so (laughs) says she who drowns in moonlight plus the girl by a candlelight goes to her smothering molten glow go by candlelights or no yeah sorry she who drowns in moonlight um elemental water combines with the girl by candlelights emphasis on melted wax to create a tidal lava flowing effect one that glows brightly as it draws in both women's shared emphasis on light sources both women are also desperate for deeper connections leading to a ceaseless effort to smother those who draw her attention attention signified by an intense focus of the lava's glow next they say biscuit plus crooked rook 
is Lumpy Pono, <laughs> which I really like that. Um, easy to underestimate at first glance, the short old woman dressed in a bright sunset suit and slathered in makeup has a deep understanding of alchemy and the construction of others, which can make her a per- powerful opponent if she's able to move her plans forward far enough. Spread all over her body are what appear to be small square-like with square box-like lumps, but these are actually makeup compacts that throw her out dozens of pockets in her suit. I thought that said skull for a second, and I was like, what the fuck? That said <laughs> suit. Okay. Uh, the bane of her enemies and the boon of her allies. Lumpy Pondo's makeup contemporarily add or remove abilities from another's toolkit. A thick coat of abyssal eyeshadow for increased durability, or a subtle layer of alchemical concealer to temporarily disable one aspect of another are just two examples of what she has to offer. Last but not least, Faisal plus Liz. I don't know what to call them, which is a great name. This person just sucks. They make lots of plans that they think are really clever and manipulative, but they all suck because this combo sucks, and they hurt themselves as much as everyone else around them because the plans were super terrible. No one likes them, including themselves. Maximum stupid goober energy. If Lucy was alone in the room with them and had a gun with one bullet, she'd turn the gun back into soda because they're not worth the bullet. <laughs> Too harsh. That's my favorite answer. <laughs> oh my gosh. <clears throat> I read that word for word, just so y'all know. Like, I did not actually, like, embellish that. It just was really good. All right, Malia, new discussion question. Yeah, um, I thought of this earlier we were talking about Charles using Barbatorum to cut people in half. And I was thinking maybe a fun question, very pale related, but um, would be how would Charles use an other from Pact in the Crucible? Ooh. Um, so we've seen how he used the behemoths. That's, is that the right word? Oh, I don't know. The old, the things from a long time ago that he got that directly oh, yeah. likes he, he yeah. used those in the beginning and maybe he was going to use marissica as like the god in phase two um you know you can kind of we've seen where he's plugged things in so uh pick another uh bonus Any points with barbatorum um but another from pact in the talk <laughs> about how charles would use it in the crucible awesome all right. Thanks for listening, guys. If you enjoyed this episode, you'd like to help support the podcast, please subscribe, share it with your friends, and leave a rating and review. To support our podcast, go to patreon.com slash doofmedia. And if you'd like to support Wildbow as he continues to write fantastic stories, go to patreon.com slash wildbow. You can follow the pod on Twitter at Pale Comparison or send us an email at paleincomparisonpod at gmail.com. Keep an eye out for our Reddit thread in r slash parahumans, where you can answer our discussion question and share your thoughts on this episode. In addition, if you would like to see all of my predictions laid out, check out our episode description for a link to a prediction tracker. Next episode, we will be covering chapters 16.10 and 16.11. What? That's crazy, crazy. All right. This week's fun fact. Polar bears don't actually have white skin or white fur. What? Apparently, the white fur that they seem to have is actually two layers of clear fur that just appears white to the human eye, but underneath that coat, their skin is black. Clear fur. Yeah. Okay. I don't know. (laughs) I don't know, man. It's weird. It's weird. I don't get it, but it's a fact. Like, it probably is on a Snapple bottle lid, which is the most legit facts you can have. 
Those are the truest facts. Those are the truest facts. Like, if you want to convince somebody, somebody, some, something, just like, you know. That'd be a fun, like, pale magic artifact or something that, like, they had a Snapple Ooh. bottle top that would tell them shit, like, once a day or something. That feels that very lost. Cool. <laughs> that, yeah. Oh, that's awesome. That'd be really cool. Yeah. I like it, Malia. Thanks. You're so welcome. <laughs> this is weird because I'm really exhausted, but, like, I'm, like, almost too exhausted to, I, like, I just, I, like, want to go to sleep. Well, so luckily we're done, so you're able to. <laughs> Yay. Yay. All right, right, guys. Talk to you later. Put your submission shit in there for the fan fan art contest. Fan art. Fan art. Yay. Yay. We're going to close out this podcast (laughs) and go sleep because I'm fucking tired. Indeed. Adios, amigos. Bye.